Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to Headstrong Season 3, Creatives in Conversation with me, Louis Strong. You're listening to Episode 3, Part 2, with Besma Khalifa. Let's dive straight back in. Whilst you, when you went there, when you went to Saudi Arabia, women had only been allowed to drive for three months, which is, of mm. course was a massive improvement mm. from the world that Saudi Arabia had been living in. But there is still a hugely long way to go. Did the, your experiences there only six days, but did it give you a different opinion on Saudi Arabia? Oh, yeah. Um, Oh yeah, totally. It, like, it's actually kind of chill. Like, they have like really nice restaurants. The beach is really nice. People are exercising. The like little coffee shops are lovely. Like, it. I don't know what I was expecting, but I thought I would be a lot more scared there than I was. I actually, it's not unlivable as a country. It's just very different. You just have to respect what they do and respect how they do it. I think maybe in hindsight, I would have not gone in as hot. And I would have been a bit more calmer with my approach. I mean, I've, it's been like nearly two, a year and a half. And actually in reflection, I even think the power of timing that we just talked about, I would have done it differently now had I have learned more about being media trained and knowing how to deal with things and situations. But I didn't want to leave. I wanted to do the bodyboarding and the paddleboarding and go to the beaches and hang out with people. There were fun things to do. It's not that bad. But, um, no, no. I mean, you you had so much planned as well for that next week that was going to be not ama- not just amazing content for the documentary, but actually stuff that you wanted to do and experience, yeah. which would have been so fundamental. Considering, as you say, you'd been building up to this for two or three years, mm-hmm. so it's such it was such a shame that it it couldn't happen. Yeah. What was it like with the? Because it was obviously government officials um, mm. looking after you. I mean, yeah. that in itself is scary. I mean, I'm watching a TV show at the moment where, like, it's all about, you know, government conspiracy <laughs> and whatnot. And it's just incredibly interesting. Obviously, I don't want to talk about it too much. But, <laughs> but what, what, what is that experience like? Because you don't even know who the higher powers are, who, who is who. 
what what was that experience um, like? Because you were being let being looked after. Am I right? Just so yeah, for people yeah. who are listening, you were being looked after by officials who were allowing you to do certain things and not do certain things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was frustrating. I mean, and especially in a country like that, four men do not want to be answering to two young women for sure. And we knew that, and they knew that, and there was that very tight barrier from day one I mean that scene where it's like you shouldn't be wearing these clothes in the mall like that was we'd only we'd only been there four or five hours and it was already like heat from both ends um it was frustrating but it was understandable you know the country was at that stage just opening just figuring it out just trying to understand how they navigate so I I didn't hate it it was just a few times a personality clash, I guess, with me wanting to be like British and be like, I want to do what I want to do. And then being like, well, it just doesn't work like that here. Um, I wish that they would have trusted us more, but I understand why they didn't. So yeah, it was, yeah, frustrating, if anything, and maybe, but I understandable. I don't think it would be any different if I did that now. I think they would still give us government officials. Sure. I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen it, by all means, go watch the documentary. Yeah, it's still on BBC, I, yeah, it's I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's still on iPlayer. So a- anyone who hasn't seen it, I thoroughly recommend it. It's a great watch. And it's just a shame that we didn't get a, a longer longer uh, version. But it is what it is. And it's still it's still great. It's still a great, um, a great film. So Thank congrats so on that. Thank I really love it. But I, this brings us on to a topic that is extremely important at the moment in, uh, in equality. Um, let's just talk about you and yourself as well at the moment as you know, um, you, you're from Sudan, you were born in Saudi Arabia and you've had this incredible journey, but there is still certainly institutional racism throughout, um, any, any country, Saudi Arabia, perhaps, uh, and uh, wherever, but in the UK, I just wanted to know what your experiences have been, uh, and what it's like living here as uh, a black woman. Gosh, that's a that's a very. And I know topic. that we could talk about this for another hour. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, just, uh, whatever you want to say. But I'm just really, really curious what your experiences have been. Um, I think for me, and I can only, you know, I, I obviously can speak on behalf of a lot of black people and black women. But personally, for me, it's just more than anything exhausting. It's super, super exhausting to prove yourself and have to defend yourself and have to align yourself with everything that you do and every way that you walk in life. Obviously, with everything that's happened with the Black Lives Movement, things have sort of, I guess, shifted a little bit and sort of given black people a bit more license to be themselves. But that only happened like a month ago or like six weeks ago. I think it's hard. It's really, really hard to constantly feel like you have to watch who you are and you have to be careful of who you are before you are slated or you're told that you know you're not welcome or you're told that you're not good enough I mean I have the double element of religion as well and you know I'm not incredibly religious but I still stand with having faith and that in itself is hard when you know Muslims are not the favorite people in the world right now or have ever been and um I just think being a black woman in society now is still very it's very touch and go there's days where you're the flavor of the month, the flavor of the week or the day, and everyone wants to speak to you and you know, your, your voice is important. But the problem with being black and being a woman is that the way you look stands before your voice. And 
I will always be judged first on being black and being a woman before I will be judged on the quality of the work I make. That's what's annoying. And that's why I think maybe having a white counterpart will never understand because they will genuinely be judged on their merit. Sure. That's, I guess, um, the best way to explain it. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. I And I think that that is a massive issue as well. I mean, it's totally, you judge on appearance before merit and that. I mean, it's another T-shirt t- slogan we could go for there. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a, it's a serious, um, serious issue. I mean, have you ever thought about documenting that yourself? Uh, and I mean, there is no right answer as well to this. But what, what, how can we all start as a society to break that, um, break that stigma and, and progress to a point where, you know, anyone can acknowledge people's work before judging on appearance? Well, for me, honestly, and I say this in the most modest way, I'd assume most of your listenership is a white audience. And I think white people need to listen to black people. I think they need to be open to listening and opening to learning and opening to wanting to know. Read the books, watch the movies. If you don't read, there's a bazillion movies on Netflix. There's a bazillion movies in the world. And I think that if you if you genuinely care, you'll go past saying, oh yeah, I know I really care about this, I feel bad for them, you'll actually educate yourself. Because once you know the facts and you watch the figures and you align yourself a bit more, you'll understand that this is a humanity issue. This is not necessarily just a black to white issue. We, You know, I think I have a lot of white friends who, you know, at the beginning of the movement were like, you know, well, I'm not racist and I've never seen colour. No, but if you haven't seen colour, that's an issue because you need to understand that colour is the issue that I have. So to be my friend, I need you to see color so that you see a difference because the minute you see color, you'll want to learn about my color and what that does. And I think white people need to be allies in the same way that you messaged me to say, hey, come on my podcast. I literally, when I got the request, I was like, well, you know, what? I don't really know what a, you know, a white male will want to do and talk to me about as a black female. And then I was, and then when I read what you'd written and the research you'd done, I'd be like, no, you know what? He's, this is genuinely allyship where you're like, I've done my research. I want to know. And I want to learn. I was like, for that reason, great. I'm part of what you want to be part of because I can tell that you care. So there's huge. Yeah. I mean, I research, I think it wasn't, I don't, I, I don't want to put myself in that bracket where I say I've always cared because I would like to think that I definitely have. But when, when the black lives uh, matter movement was at its kind of, you know, when, when it was dominating all the news channels, finally over coronavirus news and whatnot, it really sparked a change in a lot of my peers, certainly, but it allowed uh, an opportunity for education because there is no reason why this should not be in schools and should not be, this should be learnt about just as much as um, any, anything in, 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 our, in our British history. This right. is of paramount importance today, so why are we not learning about it now? Yeah, and I have to say that for someone like you, un- unfortunately or fortunately, you guys as white males in society right now do hold the keys. So it's up for people like you to be like, hey, we need to talk about this. And like for your peers to be sitting in a beer garden and being like, listen, what is going on? Like, this is mental. It takes you guys because our voices are strong, but they're not as, they're still not as strong. So that's what allyship, that's what that is for you to be like, hey, and for your friends also who are just like, I want nothing to do this. I don't really care. For you to be like, guys, watch this movie. Well, just watch this one movie and tell me what you think and starting that conversation. 
Definitely. I mean, just because you're here now, is there anything that anyone should definitely, is there something that someone should definitely watch or listen to that is just of paramount importance right now? I mean, it's going to really, just as a starting place. There's some incredible, incredible documentaries and movies on Netflix from like when they see us or, you know, the get out, if you want a bit more comedy, like, but not even comedy, like thriller comedy, or if you want to read books like, you know, books that would scare you that are like why I'm no longer talking to white people about race which would put most white people back up against their walls and be like well I'm not picking up this book so much information it's such an important book it's literally I was on Netflix yesterday and there's a whole line that's just for black content if you really care mm. watch a documentary with your mate while you're drinking a beer and then and then you know what don't just watch the documentary have a conversation about it and then ask other people to have a conversation about it start the conversation going so yeah there's lots of resources now. We're on the world of social media. If you want to know, you'll you'll look. Definitely, definitely. So with Black Lives Matter um, falling during lockdown, you were in East London, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, Elston, yeah, East London. So did you did you go out and, and, and experience the, the marches? To be honest, I went through a lot of trauma. Like, I was crying for two weeks straight. Like, I... I now I actually said to my friends last week I regret not going to the marches but I've always been I always find marches quite overwhelming I'm I get a bit claustrophobic and I'm quite small and short and I always find them a very overwhelming experience and also I just don't know that I had it in me emotionally and me and my girlfriends were up most mornings crying on the phone to each other because we were just so sad that at the time I just didn't have it in me I didn't have an enemy to like consume more than social media. And obviously I was posting on social, so I was getting a lot of like a lot of energy from those places as well. And I think that it was enough on the gram was enough on Facebook, on TV. It was all enough that it was mid COVID. And I was like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe anyway. And then we're in COVID. So it's like a double unsafety. Now yeah, I sure. I, maybe I should have gone. But at the time, I just didn't have the yeah, I didn't have the willpower, so no, I didn't go. I mean, I suppose you don't have to be present to still be experiencing mm-hmm. no. the the movement. I mean, I think that's something that's really important. You can do, you can have experienced the movement in isolation, 100%. and I feel like the 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 country has experienced it and will continue to. And I think it's gonna, it shouldn't have, it should have already happened, but it's a catalyst to spark more change and yeah. move, uh, and and pro- progress so um but with 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 the movement falling during lockdown as you just said there i think i mean everyone dealt with the lockdown and isolation in their own unique way but i think one thing that was kind of really interesting was that it affected a lot of people's mental health mm-hmm. um and ha- how much of an impact did perhaps the lockdown have on the movement do you think people um oh, yeah. it, it was so it's, it had um, really contributed to it? A hundred percent. The movement took on leaps and bounds because everyone's at home on their phones. I think if we were all on our normal day-to-day lives out and running around and sitting in our Soho houses and our Shoreditch houses and living our best lives. I think we would have been like, oh, this is kind of mental, but like, whatever. But I think just like COVID and how extreme it got, this was the same thing. Like, it just took on leaps and bounds because everyone had time to sit with it. There was no escape which is actually, in hindsight, though, you know, rest in peace, George Floyd, the movement is because of, we were all here. 
we were all here watching. We didn't. There was no way of getting away from it. Even even if you wanted to try and get away from it, you couldn't get away from it. So um, yeah, I definitely think I had an impact for sure. And and how how has it impacted you? Um, funnily enough, I said to my um, mentor, my mentor's um, Reggie Yates, and I said to Reggie the other day, um, "It's like you know how you're feeling because we've been sharing a lot of how we've both been feeling." And I was like, I feel like my identity is entrenched in fighting the good fight and fighting to be heard and fighting to be seen as a black woman. Like it's very weird that people want to see me now because that's part of my thing. (laughs) The fight is part of my story. So if there's no uh, fight, then who am I? And that has, it's been about relearning that. Who am I if I don't have to fight to be me? And that's still something that's a little bit ongoing and I'm still trying to figure out. There's a lot of stuff that's come off the back of it from TV and, you know, there's, I would dare never say it, but why have I, I, you know, I still want to get on TV again. I still want to make another documentary again. And will people listen? Will people want me to be part of conversations in the way I've been asking to? Maybe. So opportunities have opened. They would have not opened had black lives not begun to matter more than they should have already. That's probably the thing. And with the Black Lives Matter movement as well, I know that you've started kind of going to different shops and doing different things as well. Can you you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think supporting black people is super important. I, you know, black owned businesses of these young people who are just trying to do more and earn more and eating more black food from black owned restaurants. And, you know, I don't even think it needs to be a black thing. I think in general, I have always cared about giving to the little person and giving to the one who's trying to start something. You know, it's like you with this podcast, even in your email, you said, well, I actually did get in touch last year, but now I'm getting in touch again. And like, you're trying to do something. And why shouldn't you help someone who's just on their own two feet, trying to make a difference? trying to start a conversation so I think it's a lot for me over everything whether you're the little man or not and whether you're black white or orange it doesn't matter it's about helping those who are trying to make a difference so that's what I'm trying to do a lot more of just being very purposeful with my movements I love it I, I really I really like it as well um part of your identity has is certainly your religion Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily, I mean, I don't know what the ba- the balance and weight of your, of your identity buildup is, but I mean, Ramadan fell during lockdown as well. Yeah. How did, how did this affect cool. you as well? Ramadan. So I actually, and I've never really publicly talked about it, so I probably won't, but I had um, some health issues um, <laughs> and I, so I hadn't fasted in like three or four years. So this is my first Ramadan, um, my first Ramadan fasting and it was so sad. It was like the saddest thing to not be with my family during Ramadan and to not be with them during Eid. But luckily, what was really nice about it is I actually got commissioned by Facebook and Instagram to create some incredible content that had like nice viral exposure. And off the back of that, I ended up doing like a lot of interviews and a lot of talks. And I'm naturally been very uncomfortable talking about religion because just from September 11th onwards, I never felt comfortable being very openly Muslim. So I think that... Ramadan was a real lesson for me in sort of being okay with being religious, which in the black community, being religious is not a big deal. Everyone is a Christian or Muslim. It's just not a big deal. They're very God-fearing, very open about it. Whereas 
in the white community that I grew up in, it wasn't the case. No one really had a religion. So it was always like, why, why do you care about who God is? So it's been nice to sort of unscare myself and stop scaring myself in my own religion. So yeah, it was mental. I'm a dandering. It was, it was sad. It was very sad. For anyone who hasn't seen it, you you created an amazing poem and you did create some yeah. incredible um, content with some other creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, so by all means, go check it out. I mean, that's on your on your socials. Yeah, feed, on my it? IGTV, it'll be there. So did, apart from during Ramadan, of course, but did isolation affect you mentally as well? Did you did you struggle with the the months of of, of lockdown and isolation, or were you pretty pretty strong with it? Listen, I relished. <laughs> Just like, Love I- it. <laughs> really like I um loved it not loved it like let's be honest like I've missed my friends and missed my family but in general it's been really nice to not have to go to everything and not have to be everywhere and not have to like be like why didn't I get invited to this event why didn't I get invited to this dinner <laughs> like I I don't care about any of that stuff but I have to care and now I'm like I'm like living and I have probably have more work and now more work this whole summer than I've ever had in my in like the whole of last year. I'm earning more money during lockdown than I've earned in the whole last year, which is ridiculous. So I think I that love I, it. Brilliant. Like, listen, we can stay locked down. In my opinion, I'm I won't go anywhere <laughs> except for like. I mean, yeah, as you say, it's it. If you are, it's it's an opportunity not only for work, but I think it was actually an opportunity for everyone to stop being a busybody yeah. and take a second to actually realize who they are and yeah. take a second to stop and breathe. Actually, yeah. no one ever takes a second, apart from maybe people who do yoga, but stop <laughs> and actually just breathe and just go and just take a look around and yeah. pause and just experience things and just, yeah. and just let your life. Listen, Louis, even those yogis, they don't stop because you've got to think about the next move. Don't act like you guys exactly. Like everyone's thinking about the next move, even a yogi. I definitely think. And also I became a director in lockdown. I was never a director pre-lockdown. Suddenly I'm now a director and people are commissioning me to do really big directing projects. That's, that's, wasn't my plan. But that's that like, was my next, that does bring me on to my next question. Whether mm-hmm. you're allowed to say or not, I don't know. But what are you currently working on oh, and what God, might we be able to see? Don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, but without saying the name of the brand, I am I am directing my first short doc. It'll be six, seven minutes long. Um, that will be for a very big brand. Um, and it will oh, be, <laughs> be coming out towards, I think, I guess, second week of September. Um, and then I'm also creating another thing for another brand that will be coming out the first week of September. So this summer is like my poor producer. Even that's even weird saying that my producer. I've never had a team. And now I've got a producer, a director of pictures, an editor. Between the three of us, August is going to be, I have. I don't have a day off, not even the weekends. I'm working every single day until the 14th of September. Um, but two huge projects. Well, the main project, the short doc that I'm directing, that wouldn't have happened pre-lockdown. So Fantastic. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky. If anything, and this comes into... I guess this comes into like trusting your own belief. Like I still think about this doc that I'm making and I just think, how do I get myself here? How is a big brand like this trusting me to put this together? This will be my directorial debut. Yes, the Ramadan things I did, but that isn't the same as this. This is a a biggie. And um, power of timing, I have to say. It's what we talked about. 
Sounds amazing. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, very, very excited. I've got my my thoughts on potentially what brands that might be. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I mean, I, my, my ne- the thing that I'd written down next was to talk about being a creative in the current climate, but it sounds like you're thriving. I mean, I, it's not even worth, I'm you know, it sounds like you're the busiest. I mean, share some of the work by all means. If you want to yeah. pass it my way, that'd be great. I will do because, you know, I have to say at this point, I don't know. Listen, I think when you, one thing I would say, and for anyone that's listening, is that being multifaceted means that if something slows down, there's something else you can pick up. And I think that's what's important. You know, currently, as of the last two-ish years, three-ish years maybe, I'm now a stylist, a writer, a director, a filmmaker, a journalist. And, you know, to be all those things at once is really tough, but it means that I have all these avenues of ways of making money and ways of outlets. So I'd say for any creative, you know, obviously perfect your craft, but... Don't be scared of delving into other things. Be multifaceted, you know, be able to do them all because they all marry together in the end. So, yeah. Of course. I mean, you've got, as you say, you've got so many parts there that you are able to create income, but that's what's frustrating, mm. that it comes down to income. What, okay. it should, what, what it would be amazing to be about is if we were all able to just make the content that was actually needed and needed to be seen as opposed to, um, at the end of the day, a white male commissioning yeah. the work or not. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and yeah. that is, yeah, that is. I mean, that's again another conversation yeah, that could go on for hours. But that's also called YouTube. You know what? In the end, if your content's good and it it bangs, it'll be on YouTube and people can watch it, and you will make money from the affiliate links. Like you'll make, st- you can, you can definitely, definitely still make money from making your own content. I've got a guy who's incredible that you should look him up called Nader Nahdi. And um, he makes docs on YouTube and they're beautifully made. Like to the point where I was like, this is TV quality. It's on YouTube, you know, and he's building his own platform. Yeah, it takes longer than the white male giving you the keys and giving you the money. But I didn't make that much money from my documentary, to be perfectly honest. I just got more opportunities from it. So don't think that that's the only way to go. Exactly. I think, again, it's one of those things. Opportunities can almost be as good as if not better than the monetary gains of yeah. what, what you what you do yeah um we're coming down to the end of our time this month, but i ask this question to every single person that comes on the podcast mm-hmm. and the question is what does the word headstrong mean to you oh oh what does the word headstrong means to me means to me does that make sense headstrong i think for me means knowing yourself because once you are headstrong, I think you can be a force to be reckoned with. But I also think being headstrong means knowing when to say, I need help. It's knowing when to say, I can't do this. And it's knowing when to say, I'm pretty incredible at what I do. <laughs> so it's multifaceted. I think being headstrong is multifaceted. And you know what, Louis? I think that you're, I think you're headstrong. I think you, you. you've tapped into something and you said that you want to be part of a bigger conversation. I think as we talked about in this conversation, you as a white male could very easily be like, I'm cool, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm chill, I have my life. But you've said, no, there's, there's more. There's more to this and I can make positive change. And that's part of being headstrong. Well, thank you. I, re- I honestly, I'm so grateful that you've given up about an hour of your time right. to speak to me. I think we've had a really, really good conversation. I've really enjoyed it. So, Not thank you. Late. I feel like I was just sitting here, like da da, doing my own thing. And 
<laughs> waiting for me well i suppose that's the best thing i mean yeah. I, the when conversations can just occur that's the best yeah. and that concludes this third episode of headstrong with besma khalifa i just want to say a huge thank you to besma I think we had a really, really great conversation. I really enjoyed talking about identity, voice, exploring that documentary, and of course what it means to be a black woman at this stage in our lives. I also want to say a huge thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in constantly, week in, week out, or even if you're a new listener. Thank you so much for coming to check it out. I've got all my other episodes up on the streaming platform that you're listening to right now, so if you want to go listen to them, please feel free to do so. Come and join me next Monday for another episode of Headstrong Season 3, where I'm sitting down with actor Wade Williams. Have a great week and stay headstrong. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.